Travis Ybarra. Tonight's episode is a little special because I'll be counting down my top 10 horror films of the decade. So it getting into 2020, it's always pretty cool to look back into the last decade and uh, to revisit all the stuff that came out and change the world of horror for the better or for the worse. Um, this, la- this last decade has been pretty damn good as far as the quality of films overall, with the rise of s- some new voices in horror such as Jordan Peele, the Ari Asters of the world, Fetty Alvarez... Robert Eggers, Jennifer Kent, and so on. These are some truly unique voices with something to say that isn't totally based on nostalgia. And what I mean by that is, so the previous decade before this last decade, uh, the 2000s, if you will, I think relied a lot on nostalgia. And while nostalgia is good, it's it's great. You know, we all want to think about how we grew up in the 80s and all this other stuff. I think that to push for horror forward to where it needs to go, I think you have to have some fresh voices. And these people, the Jordan Peele's, the Ari Asters, they have a foundation kind of in classic horror. And it's not always going back. With, with, and they're saying new stuff with that classic horror. So like the Shirley Jacksons, all this other stuff, the Roman Polanskis. These are all these all influence these, this group of new filmmakers. And they're bringing a diverse look to these kind of concepts and making and pushing horror forward, whereas not going back. I think that's a big thing with um, like all these nostalgic based uh, TV shows, movies, all this stuff. They're great, but it's kind of just going back to the 80s. And I think we need to go forward. Let's get down to my list. So coming in at number 10, 2011's The Cabin in the Woods, directing by Drew Goddard and written by Joss Whedon. With help from Drew Goddard. So the basic synopsis of this movie is five friends go for a break at a remote cabin where they get more than they bargained for, discovering the truth behind the cabin in the woods. So this one was pretty fun. And just starting out, I'm going to try to avoid spoilers on most of these, but this is one that you kind of have to like uh, talk about the spoiler in the movie, which this movie's genius because it takes every trope in classic horror, the zombies, slashers, you name it, Japanese horror, the little girls with the sharp teeth, all this stuff, the killer dolls, uh, they, they even got like a pinhead reference, like a, a guy that's, you know, holding this box or ball or whatever that's clearly intended to riff, be a riff on Hellraiser. But you got all these tropes and these kids going out to a cabin in the woods, which is a reference, you know, a classic horror, another classic horror trope. And it's funny, it's horror. Uh, Joss Whedon from Buffy fame, 
who writes this thing, man, and it is it is just a blast in the theater. Like going to see this in theaters was a fucking blast. Um, the cast features Chris Hemsworth, Sigourney Weaver, you know, Kristen Connolly, but this is just a really fun movie. And um, if you know me, you know that this movie kind of goes along with my sensibilities and it's just, it's just a fucking good time. Like you can put this on in a party and you know, people are laughing and, and it has some truly scary, like gory moments as well. But yeah, number 10, the cabin in the woods. So number nine, this is actually one that Rose and I watched a couple days ago and it kind of like uh, blew my mind, but this is going to be train to Busan from 2016 directed by Sang Ho Yeon. Um, Starring Yu Gong and Yumi Jung. Um, the basic synopsis is while zombie virus breaks out in South Korea, passengers struggle to survive on the train from Seoul to Busan. So, going into this movie, I'll be honest. Like I'm kind of um, I'm kind of tired of the zombie movie because there's nothing really. Um, there's not a lot of new going on with the zombie movie. Like, you got The Walking Dead, and that's fucking boring at times. Um, Producer Kate laughing in the background. Uh, but, you know, like, the the Walking Dead it gets fucking boring week to week. It has awesome, like, you know, effects and stuff like that, but it just loses you, man. Um, but this movie kind of takes the zombie outbreak, and it makes it really, really human. Like, I think it does what Walking Dead's trying to do successfully. And you just fall in love with this dad and the girl. And it's playing up like a whole, uh, like the dad and the mom got a divorce. The mom is living in Busan. The girl wants to go with her mom. And the dad is one of like the, um, like the heavy worker type. He ignores his daughter. You know, they have obvious problems. You know, she doesn't really relate to him. At one point he asks his, uh, his assistant what kids are into. And he goes and buys her a Wii, not knowing that she already has a Wii. And it's like, it just shows you shit like that, that he does, that you're just like, God, this guy's such a dick. Like, he's so selfish. He makes selfish decisions throughout the whole movie. And the characters in this movie are awesome that you meet on the train. There's two older sisters. There's a couple that where the wife's pregnant. And you just fall in love with these characters. And the movie is just heartbreaking. Like, it, you really buy into these characters. And it is a truly, truly powerful movie. Like... If I made another list, like, in the next year or so, I could really see this one, like, climbing up my list. And this is one that you definitely got to check out. It's out of South Korea. It, this is an amazing movie. Uh, but, yeah, that was number nine, Train to Busan. So, coming into number eight, it is 2010's Insidious, directed by James Wan and written by Lee Winnell. So this one, the basic synopsis, a family looks to prevent evil spirits from trapping their comatose child in a realm called the Further. So this one's pretty cool, and this is the first entry of the Blumhouse movie, I believe. I don't think Cabin in the Woods was. I may be wrong about that. But this is the first entry of a Blumhouse movie, and Blumhouse, one of the names that's going to come up multiple times in this list. Because they're pretty much the studio that got horror back up to where it should be, and we're not talking about post-horror bullshit like that. Post-horror is a term that is bogus and tries to uh, basically say that horror movies aren't like true cinema. Like that's basically what it's saying. And that's quite bullshit as we all know. So enough with the post-horror bullshit. But this is fucking real terror. Like it, this is Insidious 2010. Like I said, 
James Wan, written by James, uh, directed by James Wan, written by Lee Winnell. But Blumhouse was one of these studios that really started the serious uh, shift back to horrors taking its rightful place in the box office and in people's minds. And this is, um, James Wan does a masterful job with this movie. There are scenes in this movie that I still remember on a day-to-day basis, like, because my mind's fucked up, one. But just the scene when the baby mo- with the baby monitor, and they run upstairs, and there's a figure in the curtains. Like, the, you can kind of see, like, a, a, like, a shadow, like, standing within the curtains, or, or like, a, you can see the shadow through the curtains. is truly fucking terrifying. And then the other scene that comes to mind is the lady's taking out the garbage, and you can hear the record player going inside the house and it's go it's like the tiptoe through the window that like uh, the tiny tim song and him using a fucking tiny tim song and it's showing the little boy like dancing she can kind of see through the perspective through her perspective looking through the windows of the house and you see this little kid like just dancing in the house and the tiny tim plan it is truly like it is terrifying like he has he does a really good job staging these shots with the music and it is it, it's just a masterful like uh it, james wan is a fucking beast but yeah so that's number eight insidious okay number seven get out from 2017 directed by jordan pill and written by jordan pill so this is a uh, basic synopsis a young african-american visit his white girlfriend's parents for the weekend where his simmering uneasiness about their reception of him eventually reaches a boiling point. So if I were to make the list of uh, most important horror movies of this past decade, Get Out would be, you know, one or two. Like, it'd be probably number one. Um, This has, like I said, Jordan, like I said at the beginning, Jordan Peele, these new voices, this is an example of one of those new voices with classic horror sensibilities. You can see Stepford Wives, all this, uh, the Ira Levin, all this stuff just uh, is like Twilight Zone, big influenced on Jordan Pill. He's actually doing the new Twilight Zone on CBS, or uh, that, uh, I think it's CBS, yeah, the new streaming app. But this thing just is a masterpiece, like, especially in the way uh, the state of affairs, it's a, it's a powerful movie for the state of affairs in America right now. And also just the state of affairs of a wor- of the world. It's just a timely movie, and it's probably the most important movie on this list. But I think everybody, this is one. If you have not seen, you need to unfuck that right now and go and see this movie. But uh, that's number seven. Get out. So next up, number six, Hereditary from 2018, uh, directed by Ari Aster and written by Ari Aster. So basic synopsis. Uh, a grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences. So, uh, this is starring Tony Collette, who should have won the Oscar, in my opinion. She's fucking amazing in this movie. Um, true grief, you can see in this movie from her, her screaming, all that stuff. She is just so scary, and it's so sad in this movie. To not And not spoiling anything, but, a, you know, a tragic event happens, and you totally feel that, and... It is just heartbreaking while all this crazy shit's going on. Like the, a notable scene for me in this movie was, um, um, the kid in class and something's going on. 
um, he's getting possessed or, you know, something weird's happening and the way he like raises his hand in a fucked up way and like looks in a mirror and he sees himself smiling back at himself and that kind of shit has always fucked me up. But that scene is truly horrifying and Ari Aster is uh, just like James Wan that I talked about um, two picks ago. Ari Aster just knows how to create tension and like um, put an image up on screen with an accompanying musical piece and just create tension with these images. Like it is truly creepy. Um, and Ari Aster is another example of one of these new voices I'm talking about where Ari, the Ari Aster, the Jordan Peele, all these guys are going to be what takes these guys are not going anywhere and horror is not going anywhere because of movies like hereditary get out um insidious stuff like this horror is not going anywhere and these guys are the fresh new voices that are propelling horror you know into the even the new decade um but yeah that is number six hereditary so number five the witch from 2015 Uh, Directed by Robert Eggers and written by Robert Eggers. So the basic synopsis is a family in 1630s New England is torn apart by the forces of witchcraft, black magic, and possession. So this movie um, is another movie that it's kind of hard not to spoil it. Um, Slow burn movie really harkens back to the uh, um, like the kind of folksy horror. Folk horror is, you know, what I would describe it as. Um... It even has like a, a New England folktale is like the sur the sur title of this or however you say it, but this is just like uh, Thomas Tryon's Harvest Home. There's a it's a throwback to these '70s slow burn, you know, um, uh, witchies kind of like something uh, sinister or weird or satanic going on in this um, this kind of wooded secluded area and. Uh, this is a lot about familiar, uh, like family crisis and, uh, like kind of what, what that does to this family out in the middle of nowhere dealing with this kind of shit in the 1600s. It's really powerful in the way, uh, I know I talked about it before with Ari Aster, but Robert Eggers is no different. This guy knows how to build tension. He knows how to, uh, create this world and you're living with these characters in the 1600s. And all this spooky shit's going on in the woods. And, you know, uh, the baby comes up missing. And then at the end, you know, spoilers, like I said, you can't, you can't not talk about this. And in the end, Black Phillip, who is the big fucking uh, goat, he says, would thou like to live deliciously, I think is the line. But which, which totally fucking blew my mind. My eyes rolled back in the back of my head. Like, you know, metal riffs started playing around me and stuff. It was just so like, oh my God, that he fucking nailed this ending. Because it was kind of like, it was a very subtle horror, and then the ending, it was just like, okay, this is a fucking awesome, you know, masterpiece of a movie. But, uh, yeah, Robert Eggers, uh, he just came out with The Lighthouse as well. That's, you know, a little bit different, but, you know, it's it's also a must-see. But I would check that out as well. But that was number, um, that was number five, I believe, The Witch. Alright, so next up, number four, Evil Dead, 2013. So this is the only remake that I have on this list. And um, I talked about the previous decade had a big problem with remakes. And like I said, one of the problems with remakes is if you're doing a shot for shot, like the psycho piece of shit, 1998 version, it's like, where do you, what are you trying to say with that? What are you, where are you going with that? With this one, he kind of takes, he takes the original and makes it better is what he does. And I know that's controversial, but 
he takes this original, makes it better. Um, basic synopsis, just to backtrack a little bit. Five friends head out to a remote cabin where the discovery of the Book of the Dead leads them to unwittingly summon up demons living in the nearby woods. This is directed by Fetty Alvarez. And um, one of the things that kind of takes you aback with this one is the gore and the way that Fetty can make you feel everything that's happening. Uh, a particular scene to zone in on is, uh, I can't remember her name, but she's tied up in the bathroom. But one of the characters has glasses on and she fucking stabs him in the face with um, the syringe, the needle. And the needle gets stuck under his eye and she keeps on stabbing him in the face. And that is so hard to fucking watch. And I've seen a lot of fucked up stuff, like a lot of stuff. Like, you know, Netromantic, uh, fucking Cannibal Holocaust, all these movies. But I, I don't always feel it. Like, I never really feel the attacks or the kills like I do watching a movie like this movie, Evil Dead 2013 by Fetty Alvarez. Like, he does such a good job making you feel the shit. And it's just a masterful movie. And like I said, it's better than the original in my book. Um, but, yeah. So that's number four. Evil Dead. Number three, 2012's Sinister. So, another Blumhouse movie. You know, that name keeps popping up. Uh, directed by Scott Derrickson, written by Scott Derrickson. Um, basic synopsis, washed up true crime writer Ellison Oswald finds a box of Super 8 home movies that suggest the murder he is currently researching is the work of a serial killer whose work dates back to the 1960s. This one's really fucked up as well. It, it fucked up imagery. Everybody always talks about the home movies with this one. Uh, that seems to have scarred really our whole generation. But watching this shit, the movie starts with an entire family being hung. And then uh, as you're going through this, figuring out, like they do a really good job. You're with Ethan Hawke kind of figuring, putting this mystery together, figuring out who this Bagul is. He finds all these videotapes up in the attic, I believe, and he's watching them. And they are just like, like it's showing a family getting pulled into a pool while they're strapped to like, uh, like a, the, like the lawn chairs. It, it shows a family like, uh, getting lined up in a yard and getting run over their heads, getting run over by a lawnmower. And it's like, it, in watching these scenes, you're like, am I supposed to be fucking watching this? Or like, you know, what's going on here? Um, they, they truly look like snuff films or something. And this also sinister does a great job creating kind of like a new boogeyman. And I've always been with Bagul and I've always been surprised that I know they made the second one and, you know, people were kind of disappointed with that, but this was always, always a character. I wanted them to mine a little bit more because I think Bagul is a very cool character a very cool demon or, you know, whatever he is. It's just a, it has an aura of creepiness about it. That's like, it's really, it's hard to match in creepiness. Like this movie is very, very creepy and well done, but yeah. So that's a uh, 2012 sinister. That's number three. All right. So top two, number two is the conjuring from 2013. So this is again, James Wan that names popped up before, um, Blumhouse movie. Uh, the basic synopsis, paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren work to help a family terrorized by a dark presence in their farmhouse. So this, again, it harkens back to Exorcist. In my opinion, this is the best possession any type of movie in the past probably 20, 30 years. Like, this movie's a fucking... This movie's like a fun... Like a fucking horror house. Like, going through it. 
bunch of scary images. This comes from... To get here, though, you had to start with Insidious and stuff. Juan kind of perfected his craft. He started it with Insidious. You know, he uh, he was working through, you know, Insidious spawned Insidious 2 and 3, all these other ones. But his best work, in my opinion, is The Conjuring. And The Conjuring, like I said, Juan is so good about creating tense situations and building the scares. It's um, Too much in these, like uh, the recent horror movies, are not, no, no, I shouldn't say that. Too much in horror movies that aren't done well, uh, they don't bi- properly build the scares. They just throw a fucking jump scare in there, and like those are so cheap, it, it, and and people are gonna jump, but it doesn't mean it's fucking good. Like you know, it's like so cheap, and you don't work for it. And James Wan knows how to build it very slowly, and then scare the fuck out of you. And he does it like masterfully in The Conjuring. And The Conjuring is also, like, The Conjuring has a great story as well. Like, that's another thing. Like, um, it's not just scares. Like, it, you actually really like these characters. And that's uh, Lorraine Lauren and Ed Warren, played by Vera uh, Farmiga. Or is that how you say it? Uh, she was Mrs. Bates in Bates Motel and Patrick Wilson. But they are just, like, they are an awesome duo, man. And this has some truly, like, uh, scary scenes. Uh, one of the creepiest scenes just to end on Conjuring is when she's, uh, I think the mom in the movie is doing uh, uh, laundry and it's a very windy day and shit. And there's like a, you know, like a creepy little like score starts up in the background and the wind kind of blows off a sheet off the clothesline and it kind of catches on an invisible body, like standing like uh, beside her. But I always thought that was fucking really creepy and really clever way of um, throwing a scare in there. But, okay, so that was number two of The Conjuring. So, the number one movie um, of the last decade, in my opinion, is 2014's It Follows. And directed by David Robert Mitchell. Uh, basic synopsis is, A young woman is followed by an unknown supernatural force after a sexual encounter. So this one's going to be a little different because I don't want to talk about this too, too much because we actually have it coming up in the next uh, week or so or two uh, with my sister-in-law, Jess. But just some basic stuff on this movie. So this movie, to me, a lot of, uh, a lot of good horror um, has several elements and that's like, you know, a story and Another big element is music, and this movie like, does a John Carpenter-esque score, like a lot of the synth tones on this movie. It does a John Carpenter-esque score, and it places it with some of the like the creepiest fucking shit you've ever seen. So, the thing about It Follows is this movie is very, very basic. Uh, it sets up its own rules, it breaks a few, but... This movie's very basic in that it's literally it follows. Like, that's what the fucking movie's about. Like, it's something is following people, and to pass it off, they have to have sex with another person, and then it follows them. And it's very, like, it's, you know, it's like, you know, obviously it's probably a metaphor for STD and all this other stuff. But David Robert Mitchell does a great job creating tense situations with the score, and you are just, like, really creeped out. Like, the way he... I know there's a particular scene where 
the characters are in a movie theater and you just see like a girl and I think she's wearing like a yellow dress pop up out of the uh, like in the background and she's just kind of like slowly following them and it's just like that kind of I brought up his name like before but it's like that kind of John Carpenter feel like and creepiness of um, just creeping you the fuck out and it, I felt like that that was really, really unique at the time. And like I said, it's not anything like super crazy or complicated. It just does it very simply and it's scary as fuck. But anyway, we'll dive more into um, It Follows in a couple weeks. But yeah, that is my number one horror film of the past decade. Like by by far. Like in compiling this list, I was like, yeah, I, I listen to the fucking score like probably every week. Like just throw it on the background. It's truly terrifying. Um, but yeah, so number one, it follows for me from 2014. All right. So after my top 10, I kind of wanted to go through some honorable mentions. Uh, these are movies that I of course liked a lot. Um, and there are probably some, some more that I'm forgetting or just haven't seen, but I just wanted to go through a couple. Um, the first one is your next. It's, uh, coming out of 2011, directed by Adam Wingard and written by Simon Barrett. So basic synopsis. Uh, when the Davidson family comes under attack during their wedding anniversary getaway, the gang of mysterious killers soon learns that one of the victims harbors a secret talent for fighting back. So this one was just like a very fun spin on like the home invasion slash kind of slasher movie. Um, like I said, directed by Adam Wingard. He's kind of one of the names that I've kind of followed the last couple years. Um, he's worked in TV quite a bit and he's, uh, he also directed the, um, modern like the um 20 i think 15 or something blair witch project which that's one also that i just a sidebar that's an honorable mention like uh, blair witch i thought that was pretty pretty well done but your next is kind of like a uh, home invasion and the final girl fights back kind of stuff but it's just like a really fun um with some scary moments uh some legit scary moments uh you know sprinkled in and these killers these home invading killers like kind of have animal masks, which is kind of like a cool like visual. But um, yeah, Adam Wingard's Your Next I thought was really fun and worth seeing. Uh, the next one would be What We Do in the Shadows from 2014. Um, we're actually covering this. I think this would have been this would be next week's episode in two weeks um, with Katie Kerr, where we detail some vampire movies and what we do in the shadows. But yeah, this is, a uh, the original movie by Takia Watiti or however you say that. But yeah, it's a uh, Viago Deacon and Vladislav are vampires who are finding that modern life has them struggling with the mundane, like paying rent, keeping up with the chore will, trying to get into nightclubs and overcoming flatmate conflicts. So this is just like a hilarious fucking movie. Uh, more comedy than horror, but, you know, there's fucking vampires, so it's like, okay, yeah, you know, it is, it is horror. Um, but yeah, this is just a really fucking funny movie, and if you haven't seen it, you need to check it out. The part when they're getting into, trying to get into nightclubs, and they have to be invited. You know, we get into all that here in a couple weeks, but it's just fucking hilarious. But um, Takiwa Watiti is, like, awesome, too. Check, him, check out whatever he does, because... Everything he does is like hilarious. Thor Ragnarok, and he just did uh, the uh, uh, what's that fucking new movie that he's Jojo Rabbit or something, where he's like playing Hitler or something or a Hitler type or something. But yeah, that dude's a genius, man. What we do in the shadows and the TV show are both fucking awesome. But 
Yeah, that was the second one I wanted to mention. The third one, The Innkeepers, 2011. Uh, directed by Ty West. He's another one that I've kind of um, kind of watched his career. Um, he's working in TV quite a bit now, but when he does horror, it's it's very legit. Like um, House of the House of the Devil, The Innkeepers, The Sacrament. I've liked all these from him. But the synopsis is: During the final days at the Yankee Peddler Inn, two employees determined to reveal the hotel's haunted past begin to experience disturbing events as old ghosts check in for a stay. This is kind of your, um, like, you know, like the synopsis, um, described it's your haunted kind of hotel. Um, these characters you really fall in love with. They're, they're awesome characters, but they're kind of, you know, checking out all these noises and shit and like all this creepy stuff going on, but it's a really solid, like a uh, haunted movie. Um, but yeah, check that out. If that's kind of your thing, uh, Ty West is a name to, Keep an eye on, too. We'll see if he returns to horror anytime soon. Um, I hope he does. But, yeah, The Innkeepers out of 20, uh, from 2011. Um, let's see. I got two more. We'll go The Blacks, or Black Swan from 2010, directed by Darren Aronofsky. Uh, the synopsis, a committed dancer struggles to maintain her sanity after winning the lead role in a production of Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake. So this movie, I'll always we, we'll have Jess on in a couple weeks. But this movie, uh, as we talked about in the Suspiria episode, it's kind of related. It's kind of a that would be like a good double feature, I think, Black Swan and Suspiria, because they're kind of both like uh, kind of ballet dancer movies and stuff. But Aronofsky does creepy shit like really what really really well in this movie, and this movie's just like um, really atmospheric, and you kind of don't know what's going on. It has like a horrifying images and all this other stuff about like swans and you know um i don't know it's just a good flick man um seeing this in the theaters with jess like we talked about on the suspiria episode was hilarious because there's like a lesbian scene and like all kinds of stuff in this movie that's meant to like freak you out and like you know there's there's just a lot of like horrific images and stuff that's really lynchian and you know uh argento-esque and it's it's just a solid movie man but yeah that's a uh, black swan and then uh one that i actually forgot about and i wanted to uh mention at least in my honorable mentions because i fucking love it was uh i love the series was a uh, scream four and uh this was a uh, synopsis of course we know scream but 10 years have passed and sydney prescott who has put herself back together thanks and thanks in part to her writing is visited by the ghost face killer. So I thought this was a really well, like return to form for the series. Uh, part three is hilarious, but it's not the best. Um, I felt like this was more in line with number two. And, uh, I thought Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson really took the series and, uh, kind of returned it to two form and it's, you know, ups and gore and all this other stuff that the killers were awesome. Um, had a really good, like, you know, funny with the time scheme of like, uh, filming stuff and putting it online and stuff like that. I thought it was really cleverly done, but that was one of them that I really wanted to mention because that was a really solid, uh, entry into the series. I know some people have problems with it, but it was, it was just really solid. It's a really solid flash slasher flick. 
But uh, anyways, yeah, that's my top 10 and honorable mentions. Um, as always, thanks for listening. Remember, you can email us at horrifyingmyfriends at gmail.com. Send us suggestions. Take us a task. Uh, whatever you want, really. Please subscribe here on SoundCloud or anywhere you get your podcast. And uh, finally, join the conversation on social media. We're at Hor- Horrifying My Friends on Insta and Facebook and at HorrifyingMF on Twitter. Um, that's about it we have for tonight. So thanks and see you next week.